2: Welcome, everybody, to this July 30th episode of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and 1,500 and some odd miles, or even, I don't, why do we always say some odd? Anyway, miles over yonder, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm good. I'm good. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a strange day today, but a good day, I think. Uh it was a great day yesterday and uh so sometimes that leads you with just a really good day seems like something's off when not really. Something's off, just not quite the particular I don't know. I uh, do you know?
0: Well you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be comparing your now moments. This now moment uh, compared to that okay. now moment. That's all jacked up.
2: That's all jacked up. It's like I didn't even That's pay attention to the up. Russell Brand show. <clears throat> Because Russell Brand he put it pretty did.
3: square
0: he, did. <laughs> he, did. he does on a regular basis actually every time I see a new video come out with him it's
2: brilliant <laughs> yeah, he,
0: Russell he, Brand brilliance?
2: you mentioned in a comment that you know Russell kind of likes to mess with their heads he's determined that all he has to do is tell them the absolute truth because most people just you know are like what? Or what was that reporter on the video clip say? Jeepers creepers.
3: Jeepers.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what would you say to that? I mean, I'm sure, I'm absolutely positive that half of these people have him come on to talk about his movies and what he what he's wearing and and you know, I mean, all this extraneous stuff that. He, for the most part, really has no interest in, unless he's catering to people's whims, which he has been known to do. But he said it himself, famous illusion. I mean, this is a very deep, insightful being who's in the Hollywood spotlight. And and it must be a trip. Like, it must be such a crazy trip. And so you can't blame him for wanting to have a little fun. You just can't. I would.
3: Oh yeah,
2: no, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. I just, you know, he's, you know, it's just a poor question. If you've ever even, I think, watched his TV show, to ask him, you know, do you, how do you compare yourself with other comics, and don't you always want to be funnier and better and quicker? And that's just not a good, safe question to ask Russell Brand. It's just not. <clears throat> it's like what? You can't set your navigation and your location either, even by comparisons to these other external points. <clears throat> what? And then right, he went the, on to explain why. Thing
0: is, what's really funny is anybody who has even dabbled into the current um, expansion of consciousness and has even set a toe in like they've cricked open an eye they've set a toe in they can hear what he's saying and totally get it because he dumbs it down that's the thing this is a brilliant brilliant being because he dumps it down he simplifies completely simplifies the whole thing and yet these some of these reporters just look at him with their mouths open and that's why that's to me is why it's funny because he's trying to... I think he's waiting and I bet you he gets so much enjoyment when somebody agrees or gets it and engages in a conversation with him. I bet you that just trips him right out and I bet you he loves it when it happens.
2: Yeah, I think he's dying for a good conversation. You know, I I mean... And as
0: for the rest of the, the... The ones that don't get it, he's probably thinking he will... You don't really have a choice. In the end, it's all gonna it's raise, coming. and everybody's gonna get it. So, yeah, yeah exactly. So it,
2: but I mean, that, that was I like a 38-second clip, and 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 in that 38 seconds, he covers I I don't know 99 percent of the Abraham material. Yeah, all in that one clip. He just, you know, look, you can't do that outside thing. It's just this inside thing because there's this higher frequency thing that you're this visible woo-woo, of, the, and, and, and so you align yourself with that and you beam like the sun. Well, okay. He explained,
0: he, in 38 seconds, he explained the marriage of spirituality and quantum physics.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Boom.
0: So just laid it out. There it is. This is how they work together. This is what it is. Here. doesn't
2: do the rational brain, but you can feel it, like. so, you know.
0: Right. I mean, it was just...
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a cunning piece of He's fun. And, uh, He's fun. Yeah, he is. People he ought is. to look
0: him up. If y'all haven't heard, seen some of these videos of Russell Brand, just look it up and just start looking for something. Or look on Rick's wall or my wall on Facebook. You'll sure to see the post, posted. Post
2: I People haven't gotten yeah. sick of it yet, but I just keep... You know, I see another one pop by in front of me, and I don't even really have to watch it before I know I'm going to post it, but I, I generally do. I don't know. The Dalai Lama one, I, I only watched, like, the first 30 seconds of that, and the Dalai Lama thought that, said that he thought Russell Brand was cool. So I was like, yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> post that one. And uh, then it was. He was, like, doing questions and answers with the Dalai Lama. Listener, like, email well, some, questions. Some- Funny.
0: Somebody commented on my wall that it's, it's you know, two totally different individuals um, being able to hold a really insightful conversation. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, you know, in their expression, they might be uh, completely different in in their their expression. But as far as their understanding goes, I don't think they're that far off. To be quite honest, I think that on a, a deep spiritual level they both understand each other quite well and i'm sure that they see it in each other i mean regardless of whether or not the dalai lama is who he is there's a a a recognition of you know that kind of understanding in people and it's it's a feeling more than a you know an acknowledgement of position so i would think that it was probably a mutual respectful recognition between the two of them and and that's why that clip to me was so entertaining. I thought, you know, that's the two extremes.
2: Well, and and, and and so nice to be able to see that two totally distinct, unique, I mean, we're all unique, but these are quite distinct, unique expressions, you know, rather at different ends of certain spectra, you might say. But there was still that recognition, that honor, that respect, and uh Insightful conversation. People are like, well, what about the differences? Well, you know, Russell Brands, modern comedy, late-night television. um, The Dalai Lama is the Dalai Lama, you know, not so much the late-night television. Goes to bed about 6.30 at night, says. But they seem to have got on quite well. It it, it was a beautiful example of two
0: the two extreme differences in in physical manifestation of, of of that core essence of creation. That's that's what that represented to me. Here's 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 another end of the spectrum. Look, bring them together. Oh look, no fighting. Imagine that. No fighting. <laughs> They're getting along just great. Um well, and, and I think jokes, that's jokes, important you know. for people to start Right. Yes. And I think that's important for people to recognize now. And and you know what? Speaking of That, you know, those extreme expressions. We have one on the show
2: tonight. Really? So you call Uh, him extreme. Oh, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm definitely a little bit locked out. But um, we have a guy I'm really excited to have on the show here, actually, because titles aside, experience aside. Um personality? What? An ability to be lighthearted and joy filled and just have fun with this life we've been given. That's that's who we brought on the show tonight. And I'm excited to have him here because he has the title and, and the training to sit on a pedestal and be a hands together guru. Looking down that at the word
3: telling that we love
2: so busy
0: much. Busy, but he doesn't yeah. Right. So um, let's bring him on and find I, out.
2: I I think we, we should.
0: Well?
2: And um, I said I was going to do it, so just for Jean's you know enjoyment, because I told her I was going to do it. Uh, I just wanted to point out to all of our other future guests that um, yeah, this uh, our guest tonight, this gentleman has a, a rather unique name, and and so he's included in his materials that. That he sends uh, pronunciation guide, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my darndest. We have with us tonight uh, musician and uh, thinker and uh, speaker Dada Nahabil Ananda. That's close, close Rick. Nahabil Ananda. Nada Nahabil Ananda. Ah, okay. See, it was close.
1: That's
2: all you get. It's close.
1: It's close. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, Neil I okay, see.
1: Perfect. Got
2: it. Yeah, well, see I would I I was going to still, you know, have that pride thing going I did it without looking. If I'd have just read it, I would have probably been fine. But that's what I get for being you know, silly And
0: um well, that's that's every why, time.
2: That's why also known as the monk dude. Cuz that's easy. I can say that the monk dude.
1: Right. It's a, it's a lot easier for people to remember. I <laughs> think it probably makes him um, really
0: approachable, too. <laughs> I know I, I was all over that. I was like, the monk, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, you. Because um, yeah, the enlightenment lighten
1: up. Some of, some of my fellow monks think it's too undignified, but <laughs> I kind of figure you know, I don't need to take myself so seriously that I can't call myself the monk dude so people can remember me. What's the problem?
0: Oh, see, I love you already. Um, all right, so let's let's find out all about you. Um,
1: Mr. Monk okay. Dude,
0: I'll put, I'll put it in the on the course. Well. I have one question.
1: <laughs>
0: Who on earth are you and what do you do?
1: Uh, so, I'm, uh, I'm a yoga monk, and I've uh, been uh, teaching meditation and yoga and the whole lifestyle that goes with that for a long time now, uh, since, well, 1979 was when I was ordained as a monk after my training in India and Nepal. And uh, I started out, you know, before that, I, I was only 24 then, but I, I trained really as a musician. So when I was much younger, I, I thought that I wanted to be a rock star, which was a little bit crazy. And uh, fortunately, I had a, a really, um, uh, well, I, I think of it like this, I think this kind of spiritual experience landed in my lap. It was like it came out of nowhere, seemingly, when I was about 20 years old, almost 20 years old. And that changed my perspective on everything. Now, before that, I was an atheist. Um, I was pretty, in, well, I was very concerned about the state of the world. When I was very young, my parents used to take me on anti-war marches. This is in 1960, I remember. I went on my first anti-nuclear march when I was five. So I grew up with that kind of perspective, but I was really concerned about what was going to happen to the world. I actually believed that the world would probably be destroyed by nuclear war in my own lifetime, and it didn't make me depressed, but it kind of made me feel like, well, that's, you know, it's a shame. What's the point? So when I had the spiritual experience, a part of the realization I had then is that actually there's, there's something bigger going on that's beyond any human power. And I don't need to worry too much. I mean, I mean, to do, my, do what I can, but uh, we're being taken care of. So that's made a big difference in my life and I realized I should meditate and have a serious look at myself and the way that I was thinking and uh, leading my life and I went through a lot of changes. I became a vegetarian, I started meditating, practicing yoga and I got very involved in a lot of um, uh, well teaching but also social service work um, and raising funds for different kind of projects and developing countries and, and that's a part of the work that the the monks and the nuns and the, the, the teachers of my order are engaged in. So I've been mostly posted in the, you could say, the developed world in Europe or in Australia for a long time, or in the U.S. now. But a lot of my colleagues are in places like Ghana and Haiti and, and Peru where they're doing amazing humanitarian work. So I um, try and support them as well, and that's if I, you know, one day I might end up doing that too. Does that answer your question? It's a little bit wow. about me. I mean, I don't want to go on about me all evening. I mean, <laughs> I like to talk about ideas and things.
0: We're going to talk about ideas and things. And one of the ideas I'm hoping that you'll talk about because of what you just shared with us, uh, is something that's near and dear to Rick and I's hearts, certainly. And I know he'll agree. As I also got lost in that oh, my God, the world's going to end. Why? Why are we doing this? If it's going to all go, that doesn't make any sense. So I went there. And going there was the most icky thing I've ever done. Like, really? it was. I was so miserable for so long. All of my stuff just, you know, I, I for the most part, didn't have the bunnies and rainbows kind of life. But... Things had tended to flow for me. I always managed to get back on my feet again. I don't you know, I mean, I ask and it's given always. That had been my life until I went down the conspiracy path and then all of a sudden everything just started it's almost like I lost my faith in that that very intricate, you know, divine organism that is creation. And for some reason went there and think goodness, Um, thanks to a series of random fortunate events like Rick, the radio show, all the incredible guests we've had, I, I totally came back out of it and spun and went the other way, and can you share a little bit more about that progression with us, because we know there's still people out there who are, who are struggling with the, seeing some of the negative stuff that's going on in the world, and they're still trying to, how do I care without being concerned or worried? You know what or I mean? Like There's a fine line to, between...
2: To try to stomp all of this into the ground, wrestle it to the ground and kill it, these negative people.
1: You know, right. or, or right.
2: conspiracy control guys, we got to get them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a wonderful question, and... I would uh, love to talk about that. um, It's brought to my attention by some of my students. I teach a course at UC Berkeley in California to students, you know, they're young people around 20 years old. And these are very bright uh, and, you know, a pretty self-aware and sensitive group of young people whom I really love. And uh, some of them come to me, you know, personally and, and just really, say how they feel this uh, tremendous stress and worry and unhappiness because of they're worried about the future and they're well educated enough to understand that there there there's cause to worry so many of them are kind of you could almost say traumatized by the fact that you know their parents or the, their generation before them and the one before that perhaps have kind of messed up the world and, and it doesn't look too promising. So I think there's a couple of ways to deal with this. One is kind of internal and the other I see more as external. So I'll look, I'll look at the internal one first. The, uh, the work I do really involves helping people to connect to the source of love within themselves. So I don't just teach meditation for stress management or some kind of... It's, not, it's much more than just a relaxation for me. It's about connecting to something, a, a dimension of ourselves that restores hope and a feeling of positivity and optimism. And my spiritual master in India, who he lived from 1922 to 1990, he always used to say that optimism is a sign of... Spiritual awareness. It's a sign that you, you understand on a deep level that ultimately everything is in the hands of, as I said earlier, this, the creator of the universe. I mean, it's a little difficult to get more powerful than that or more influential. So, uh, and, and the, the feeling that people get from deep meditation is that I'm connected to something completely benevolent that even though I don't understand why there is suffering and why we have so many problems, somehow behind all of that there is a benevolent intent. So that is something that people get from practicing a deep meditation, a spiritual meditation practice. It uh, cultivates optimism. So it gives you this kind of inner strength, a connection to the source of life. And you feel like, Okay, life is a struggle, but life is also something that gives rise to incredible beauty and miracles all the time, and and you can feel that. The other thing I like to remind people of is something that's actually described much better than I could do in a book by a man called Paul Hawken. It's a beautiful book called Blessed Unrest. You may have read it or heard of it. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, have. I highly recommend it. It's uh, now, now, Paul Hawken, he's a yogi. He practices meditation, and, and I met him um, once, and I just got such a wonderful feeling from him that he had real spiritual debt. <clears throat> but what he's known for is his whole life as a social activist. And he was um, marching on this, in the same marches with Martin Luther King. I mean, he's been out there really trying to... Uh, help create a better world in in very meaningful ways his whole life. He's been involved in the peace movement, and now he's very much known as an environmental activist. But he comes to it from a perspective of, of love and concern, not a perspective of, oh, we've got to get these guys, as you were saying, Rick. He really comes to it with, you know, well this is, we love this earth, we love everybody and all the people and plants and animals and things living on it, so I want to do everything I can to preserve that and create a sustainable society. And he's he's devoted his life to that. And as a part of that, he did an incredible research project. He documented all of the different social um, justice organizations and environmental organizations and progressive spiritual organizations and things like promoting organic farming and community living and alternative economic models and alternative energy. and All of these organizations, he made this huge da- uh, database, which our American listeners would call a database, and uh, he wrote this book about it. It took him 10 years, and he gave a, a very uh, notable talk about it. And during the talk, he scrolled the names on the screen behind him of all these organizations. He spoke for an hour, And he didn't run out. Uh, He compiled this list of, I think it's something like, more, more than a million organizations. And each one of them has thousands or tens of thousands or more members. So he describes it as the biggest movement for progressive change that's ever happened in history. And all the people involved in it, most of them aren't even aware that all these other millions and hundreds of millions of people are involved in it and feel the same way and want to see the same kind of more beautiful, better world. And he said it's this amazing movement that doesn't have a name, but it's bringing incredible changes and will really help to sow the seeds for a a fantastic future. So I think objectively as well as subjectively, in the outside world as well as within ourselves, there is cause for hope and optimism.
2: Well, now there's an excellent answer, Gene. One of the best guys. Yeah, I have. Whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah. Cheers in my head. eyes. Um, yeah,
0: we do have I yeah, Don't know how that happened.
2: You don't have the show open, or okay, um, but uh, um, it 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 reminds me so I, much of what we wanted to do early on in our time together, Gene. <clears throat>
0: It's it's the very essence of, of what this show started as, um, and, and admittedly, Rick and I have both admitted that this show began as a healing journey for us, because we mm. we noticed there was a lot of light in the world and we wanted more of it. We wanted to we wanted to actually reach out and be able to talk to these amazing people who are making a difference, and, and share that with people. And it, if people got inspired out of it, that's great. But at the end of the day, it was really about our health and well-being and our own sense of of being centered. It was really important for both of us to focus on that. And we have taken flack. Oh, my goodness, Rick, we've taken so much flack from certain people about having Pollyanna-ish outlooks and Pollyanna-ish attitudes and being the, you know, I mean, then these words are used with, with disdain, and it's shocking to me. If you actually look up Pollyanna, the book, read the description of the book, or better yet, read the book, if anybody ever calls you, again, Pollyanna-ish, and they do it in a way that it's derogatory, smile and tell them thank you very much, because this little girl with her Pollyanna-ish attitude, who was called Pollyanne, changed a town. By just simply being herself. So I'll be Pollyanna any day. But the point is is that we've taken a lot of flack for it. But I won't give that up because that feeling, that incredible gratitude, and that acknowledgement of the amazing humanity on this planet, like I, human beings are awesome, that knowingness within me, that that faith in not just the creator being but by extension into humanity itself because a creator such as that 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 made all of this could not possibly create a race of completely self-destructive beings we can only expand from here I mean what what would be the point so it's my faith in humanity has not waned and that's been the biggest healing tool for me and I, I think for Rick as well um, that we've ever oh, encountered. There's yeah, there's no better miracle it, cure
2: for anything. I've up, given up completely, really, trying to point out to anybody that there's all this awesome stuff going on. It's like it's so obvious anymore that if they don't notice, I'll just hang with the people that do notice, and we'll wait for you to notice. And when you do, you can come over here if you like, uh, or go over there or wherever you like to be. Because it used to be like, we have over 200 hours of people that are just that are doing something. What do you mean nobody's doing about something about this? Nobody's talking about this. Nobody's I'm talking about this. And now it's just like, ah we got archives. They I go, really? Yeah, yeah, I've been doing this for two years. We got two hundred and fifty almost three hundred hours. It might even be more than three hundred hours now awesomeness on tape. Pick. Go, which which one's cheerful? Pick one. <laughs> just pick one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sorry, I I, I I
0: wanna this, uh, I
1: wanna ask Go. on.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Okay, I just want to uh just respond briefly to that and then I'd love to hear your uh question. But um I uh I get inspired, um I think like a lot of people, when I see children getting this and doing something you you would never imagine. And I'm just reminded of a, a young girl I met Recently, Her name is Vivian Haar, and she lives in California. And um, the first time I saw her, she was speaking to an audience of 1,500 people, and she was nine years old. And what she was talking about was her campaign to end child slavery. So when she was eight, she saw a picture of two child slaves in Nepal, and she was pretty shocked, and and she went to her mom and said, you know, I'd really love to do something about this and support this campaign that was, she'd heard about that was um, raising funds to free child slaves around the world. So she, her mum says, well, you know, you're, you're a kid. What are you going to do? And she says, well, I could make a lemonade stand. And her mother says, you're going to have to sell a lot of lemonade to make any difference, you know. She says, well, let me try. She started this lemonade stand, and she sat on that lemonade stand and ran it every single day for more than a year now. And she's raised just now, I think, more than a million dollars. She's nine. And when I saw this and, and heard her story, and, and, and I met her afterwards and spoke with her, she's, you know, she's an adorable nine-year-old kid, but she's raised a million dollars for something she believes in just because she didn't think she couldn't do it. So I tell that to adults that think they can't do anything.
2: Well, and God bless the adults in her life for letting her
1: try. Well, have helped her, of course, but it was all her inspiration. And she's she's there every day, you know.
2: You'll see her on the news. So check out, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I've, I've seen
1: it. Make a stand lemonade. Oh, have you heard of that?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think it's a fantastic story. And it. we should have bantered about our Egyptian 12-year-old friend, Jane, because...
3: That's exactly
2: what he's talking about. It's a, a 12-year-old kid that they uh, found on the news, and uh, it's actually not in this most recent uprising that's going on. It was like a year ago, uh, but they asked him why he was at an anti—you know, new the new government's constitution is not right—and and, and uh, but but he was at this thing with his parents, and they so some reporter was smart, going to get a cute line, I think, they thought, and asked this 12-year-old why he was there. And he proceeded to discuss parts of the Constitution and why those parts of the Constitution were ridiculous. He said, yes, yes, the Constitution says men and women are equal in the eyes of the law, except when it contradicts the dictates of Islam. So, uh Islam says I can discipline my wife, so that means I can abuse and beat and just be, and I can call that discipline. That's insanity. 12-year-old, that's insanity. And it's like, we could all just go to the beach and just wait. These kids have got it, really. They've got a hold on it.
0: It's yeah. like they they came in ready. You know, and and watching, watching some of the things that have been done, not only were they born technologically aware and advanced, but they were born spiritually advanced. They're so far beyond my generation, it's laughable. I've got quotes, brilliant, insightful quotes in all three of my books from my daughter. And, I mean, it's not a shock anymore to me when she comes up with something that just kind of blows my mind. It's just, and it's not just her being a special kid. It's just this generation. They are so ready for this. It's not even a challenge to them. They're just coming out and saying, oh, okay, you need clean water? All right, let me build make a filter. You need clean water in Africa? All right, we'll build a system that turns urine into potable water. You know, I mean, they're, they're doing amazing stuff. They're, they're, and it's just, because you can tell them, you can tell them that they can't, and they're going to look at you and say, well, I'm going to try it anyways. Mm-hmm.
3: And yeah, that's I
1: exactly this. what
0: we need them to do.
1: You're, well, you're in Canada. You, uh, you know who Severne Suzuki is?
0: Severn, of course. Come on. Right. Everybody knows Sevron.
1: I thought I in Canada you must do right. A lot of Americans don't remember her or haven't heard of her. So of course, um, yeah. you know she was. Because just for listeners, I'm in the U.S. and 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 you guys are in in Canada, right? But um, you know she was the one who gave this incredible talk when she was 13 at the United Nations conference in at the Earth Summit or the the United Nations conference in 1992 in Rio de Janeiro. And uh, Blew everyone's minds and made all the adults feel like idiots, I hope. Um because what she said was just so true. Every
2: few every few months it makes the rounds of Facebook and the internet again and oh, okay. again. People are still I still occasionally find it on my news feed and I just smile every time. I'm like, you know, still moving people with that speech. Yes. Yeah, all these cool. and, and she hasn't quit oh, no, I know being she's an, 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 an activist cool. either. <clears throat>
0: Right. No, they've and, got they've got a they've got t v show after t v show um i know she she went on this great documentary series where she went on tour with her dad um david fun. and both sevron and David Suzuki were front and center during the whole um ninety nine percent movement and you know mm-hmm. i mean it was just i <laughs> watching her growth has been just joyous. And people could say because she's the daughter of Dr. David Suzuki, that would be, you know, I mean, good genetics or good education or whatever. But I'm seeing it in kids who come from third world countries without an education and without yeah. the parentage. And you know what I mean? So I just, yeah. we just need to get out of their way at this point and give them whatever they need. Support them, back them up and, Say you're doing a great and, job, we're here right. What can let, we do? Let them,
2: question. let them question And don't just give them a pat answer and force them to take it Because that's what I saw in this young man On this video clip from uh, Cairo Was he went and read it himself right. you know, It's a new constitution Okay, well and This might be unconstitutional because, Well, let me what, Give me that And read it himself And then said, okay, now wait a minute This is crazy And that's all that we ever ask of anybody that tunes into our show is, look, we don't care if you think we're, you know, bats in the belfry.
1: But question this so-called status quo. You know, my my spiritual master used to say that, um, I mean, one time somebody was expressing to him the same concern. They said, well, you know. You've spoken about a brighter future, how you know, in the in, in the near future we're going to create a, a much more um, spiritual civilization based based on principles of love and and, and you know, cosmic family and, and all of that and he said, Well I, and you know, they are, they said, Well we can't see it, you know, we're not is it really gonna happen? And he said, You know, good people have come but better people are coming and the best are yet to come. And whenever I see children like the ones we've been talking about, or somebody like that, uh, I'm reminded of that.
2: It's so true. It just is. Like even without speaking, it builds. It, it, it and the the cream is rising, so to speak. It's uh, it's a it's an awesome thing. Uh, that word gets thrown around a lot, but it does leave me in awe sometimes to watch it's just you watch a a, a clip of some child i remember the first time i saw young burke bear uh, giving his talk about organic food and talking about what was really going on with food and then just like he would stop he stopped like five times during the thing and looked at the audience and went do you get it it just doesn't this what Because it's so obvious the way when he lays it out, it's just like it just doesn't make sense. What? What? And it does. It just—it's amazing, and 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 leaves me speechless. Which is, Gene will tell you, hard to do. Well, either (laughs) one of us really. We've talked a lot.
1: I uh, I I think think uh, go uh, ahead. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Well, it's you know you've said how a lot of people that you know are, are, are skeptical or you know, they've expressed a lot or a lot of disbelief or even cynicism about the kind of work you're doing and the kind of things you're talking about. I think the, one of the main reasons, of course, is that it's the mainstream media. So the you know the the major, especially in the U.S. Good heavens. The major TV channels and the news channels mostly focus on negative news. And they don't talk about these stories which, well, they don't often talk about these stories which deserve at least as much attention as the kind of, you know, somebody got murdered and somebody, some movie star got in trouble and who cares? I mean, of course I care if somebody gets murdered, but that doesn't need to be the thing I hear about every day because there's a lot of other stuff happening which would be more inspiring and it's, and it's more reflective of reality also because that happens you know, once in how many million times. And, but people keep hearing it, so they think I have to be scared when I go out my front door, which is just a distortion of reality. Major distortion. It
0: absolutely is and, and has been for a very long time. However, I am noticing and I've been watching very closely because of what we do, and because of what we believe and we see um, we see amazing changes all the time happening in our world. So I have been watching the media closely. And I've even been known to turn on the news once in a while, which is meant to avoid it like the plague. But um, I'm seeing some amazing stuff. And, you know, I mean, CTV did a story about the Tim Hortons Bandits. Um, we talked about it on the show last week, I think it was, and um, just a bunch of random people going around and buying free coffees for you know
2: lots like five hundred free coffees,
0: <laughs> five hundred for free coffees at a time for the people who come in after them, um, you know, and, and even oddly enough, even some of the commercials. Coca Cola has and no, I don't agree with the stuff that's in Coca Cola for our listeners who are going, Oh, chemicals I don't No know. emails,
2: please corporate no ah, emails.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Corporate chemicals, whatever. Listen, the point is is that the commercial, albeit is ingenious marketing and promotional material given the current attention, uh, direction of our, our youth right now who are geared towards more positive, still this commercial can do nothing but have positive impact. And that's simply because it's a commercial where they take a whole bunch of cameras from, you know, these cameras that are watching us all the time, dreaded security camera. Oh no. Um, and they took a bunch of really positive clips, people helping people, people, you know, I mean, I've returning that, right? a, a dropped wallet. Right. Okay. So, yes, I get it's good marketing and promotions. Yes, I get it's from a corporate sponsor that produces a product that might not be good for your body. However, that commercial, just the essence of it is good for the spirit. And that's the kind of stuff I'm seeing. So regardless of their reasons for doing it, it's getting out there. And that's brilliant. And that's why we talked about Russell Brand tonight because it's people like Russell Brand, these big names that are coming out and saying, hello, hello. Are you not paying attention to what's going on right now? Like yeah. It is. All oh, one. Hello. And and it's amazing to watch because it's it's beginning to get into mainstream media slowly, but surely it's getting there.
1: Yeah, they're following rather than leading. But um I think it shows that are independently um you know, that are independent of big money, uh are I, I, taking much more of a lead, and it, but they might be small, like your show, but compared to Fox News, which is. <laughs> well, but even Fox News interviewed Vivian Ha. because you know, who can resist a story about a nine-year-old kid doing something like that? You know.
2: Oh right, and I and, interviewer We are. <laughs> I feel certain in that a
3: second, I audience for Absolutely.
2: audience for shows like ours and other shows that are doing you know. Wonderful things too. It can do nothing but grow. You know. Right now, I think some of the young ones probably tune in once in a while and go, "Why are they talking about this stuff? Doesn't everybody get that? Doesn't everybody know that?" But um, that's okay. We'll all know it soon because it's, it's dawning on people.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, a lot it's of is, I'm not the first one to observe that. Um, you know, the the internet has to some degree democratized. News. It's given us much more choice of what we listen to, and made information much more widely available. Which is, you know, a bit of a thorn in the side for, especially for the more totalitarian or controlling kind of governments and, and corporations.
2: Well, and and for people that I think they're going to find it difficult for starting wars in the, in the future if somebody decides they want to try. Because you can't really start a war amongst people that are all already talking to each other. Mm-hmm. They know better. They're like, no, they don't want to do that. I just talked to my friend. He right. wants to go to the movie with his kids. What, what are you talking about? They want to do what? And, and uh, I, I think that there's a lot of movements in that area, too, like this you know, Israel Loves Iran thing. The, the guy just saw stuff on the news. He was like, this is ridiculous. And so he makes a picture that's so what he does. He's a graphic design guy. He takes a picture of him and his kid holding a poster, and puts some letters around it and posts it on the internet. And you know, he said I didn't think much of it. I went to bed. He woke up the next morning. His computer was practically overloaded with all the people sharing it and liking it. And because that's all he said was, "Look, I, I, dear Iran, I don't want to bomb you. I don't even know you." Mm. Now, talk about leading with the truth. There it really is, is I, I don't know anything about these people over there. You know, you talk to these folks that get all steamed up about, we're going to go get them, and go, who? Well, them. Yeah, right. Just no, no, Specifically who? And they go, what do you mean, specifically who? Well, which one? The baker? The candlestick maker? Which one?
1: Yeah. Information is very liberating, and I agree. It can have a huge impact on people's readiness to go to war with people they don't know. I mean, even long before the internet the 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 journalists in that went into Vietnam and brought home to American living rooms what was really happening there they effectively stopped the war, yeah, yeah, because people saw my God, these are people that have been killed, and I don't want to be part of that, you know, yeah,
2: I don't get bombing and that it's ugly it's a mess
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um hmm, That's a we well, now down to the bombing and the ugly and the mess. That's not good.
1: Well, it's almost
2: a halfway you know, point. Why, why don't we talk about we this? You mentioned you had originally trained as a musician. huh How does that fit together with being the monk dude?
1: That's an interesting story, um, from, for me at least. I hope it is for our listeners, because I, uh, I started playing piano when I was about four. I had. A, I really... I. I just found the piano, and I listened to the radio, and I'd pick out tunes, and I, I wanted to teach myself. Gives you an idea of what kind of a hard time my mother had. I didn't want a teacher, so then she conspired with my grandmother to get me to promise to my grandmother, because I wouldn't listen to my mother, uh, to that I'd that I'd uh, that I'd get a music teacher, I'd accept a music teacher. So then I started learning, and I I grew up playing piano, and I learned a lot of other instruments, and I. Discovered rock music when I was about, you know, 15 and decided I wanted to go that way. Um, But, of course, you know, that became uh, less of a a priority when I discovered meditation and spirituality and something that actually was more of a sensible life purpose. But I still had all this music in me and and a lot of training. So I, I effectively gave up music in my mind at least, I felt like I had to give up music to become a monk. But later I realized that all I had to do was let go of my attachment to it. And then I could use it. And uh, so I started writing songs. I took up guitar and I started writing songs and um, playing a lot of spiritual uh, chants because we use chanting a lot in combination with our meditation. And uh, yeah I started recording and producing albums, and then I toured, and I had a, <laughs> I did some tours in Australia, and then I I actually played my I had my fifteen minutes of fame in Brazil in 1992 at the same event or, or the parallel event to the one where Severn Suzuki spoke. So that was it's often uh, spoken of as you know the the, Earth, the Rio Earth Summit or um, the um, uh, Uh, What was it called? Um, Well, there was a big government, multi-government environmental conference, right? Right. And that was where Severn spoke. That was the United Nations Conference. It was the biggest gathering of governments in the history of the world at that point. And that was the beginning of the the treaty that later became the Kyoto Protocol and so forth. Uh, It was, you know, you could say a, a somewhat toothless environmental treaty, but it certainly was important. So there was a non government Conversation
2: conference. started somehow.
1: That's right. No, it was it was it was very significant. Uh so the uh parallel to that was a conference non government organizations, which was huge. There were thirty thousand people there for fourteen days. And I was invited to perform there and I had a concert with about you know, about a lot of those people were there, about 10,000 people, and we it was, and I was on after John Denver, which was kind of weird because it was like he was my support act. It was so odd. It was just the way that it was scheduled. And then they, we were up all night that particular night. People were chanting and doing all kind of things in this in, in this uh, huge um, area on the beach. And then uh, the next morning. Uh, there was, again, a big chanting program, and we were on the stage, and then the Dalai Lama came, and he gave his talk, and that was a, a huge deal. So that was my little taste of, of being a rock star for, for a few days. which was
2: That's pretty uh, rock star-ish right there.
1: It, it was very, uh, it was a bit surreal. I should think. And But you know what? I, I kind of thought, you know, how did this happen? It was, the way that it came together was sort of unlikely. Um and I was thinking, you know, why did this happen? And I realized it was, it was almost like I was being given a taste. Well, you know, if you want—if that's what you want, fine, you can have that. Or do you want to keep on doing what you're doing? And I thought about—I it and I thought, well, that was kind of fun, and it was—it was interesting. But you know, I—that uh, wasn't—it wasn't the happiest moment in my life. It wasn't, you know, the thing that I found more fulfilling than anything else I've ever done. I'm uh, I'm happy with the choices I've made. So I've continued to use music as a medium for communicating spiritual ideas, um maybe a taste of spiritual spiritual experience. And uh you know, I remember I was uh once thinking what are these songs that I write? It's kind of like there's spiritual philosophy set to music. <laughs> so I try and make that simple uh, I try and simplify uh important ideas and communicate them with the language that is also a language of emotion, because music in music you can you can do things that you can 't do just by speaking it really is the language of emotion, and you can awaken or induce all kinds of feelings and experiences that just aren 't nearly as easy to uh, to bring up with just just with words. So I, I use it as a medium of communication. And I, I love it. I love playing music. I play music every day. But it's not the number one thing in my life. Right. Well, I think
0: it's really cool that, um, and I know Rick's about to to play one of your songs, but before he does, I think it's really cool that you had, you were given the opportunity to see that maybe sometimes life isn't just this or that, that sometimes... You can mm. be a spiritual rock star, and and that's really cool. It can be this and that, and you have choices. And what an awesome gift for the Creator to give you to have that experience and be able to say, this is, this is wicked. I got to do that, but now I've done that. And now I've done on.
2: that, and, I'm, and I, I've I, got important stuff right. to do. <laughs>
0: right. So, I think it's cool. I think it's I, I love that it, for people that are listening, remember it's not this or that, and your life doesn't have to be completely mapped out in front of you because those those old child whims and whimsies and and wishes that we make, this is what I want to do when I grow out grow up. sometimes we go down this crazy path, and halfway through our journey, our wishes are just randomly granted. And at first, we don't even connect them with our childhood wish or childhood, you know, desire. I want to do that when I'm older. And and later, you can look up, back on it and say, no regrets, because I got to do all of it. Not just the part of it I knew about not, when I was a, when a child.
2: Not exactly the way I planned it when I was a child, but if, you know, <laughs> why would you think that was, you know, uh, the way that it would turn out? Because... You didn't have as much you could imagine back then. weren't aware of him as much. But uh, I want to touch after we we can we can go ahead and, and take a break because people may need to. It's you know a little past halfway. But I wanna I want to touch on this thing of uh, I thought I had to give it up, but I realized that all I had to do was give up my attachment to it because that's a big subtle yet big difference. Um, that you know there are still folks running around that think, well, particularly when it comes to eco-sustainable living, they think we're all going to have to be in teepees somewhere. And um, uh, that's one of the things I love highlighting on my page, are people that have found ways to have uh, either zero or even positive impact on the environment around them, yet still have the comforts that they enjoy. Um, they find that there's some things they thought they wanted to have. They don't once they get there perhaps, but um, you know that you don't have to give up having a telephone and the internet where you can Skype video Skype with your grandchild. And, you know, you don't have to give all of these things up necessarily to be able to get along, but you you have to give up the way, you know, if you think that we have to keep slaughtering everything to keep that stuff going, then yeah, you got to give that up. And, and if you're going to, you know, slaughter stuff to get it then you need to give that up just because you're way over attached <laughs> you're way over attached but um, because it is I, I harp about it a little
1: No, Gene stop me that's a really good I think that's a really good point I, I, I think um, uh, the, the things of this world if you like you know the material world um, is it's not evil It's it's here for us to manage responsibly because we have quite a lot of power to do that and It's here for us to interact with and and also to enjoy and and to use in in Creative ways for the common good. So that doesn't mean that you know We invent something incredible or somebody invents, you know a bunch of people invent the internet it can be put to incredibly good purpose or or uh, You know music why should we why shouldn't we use music in order to make people happier make ourselves happier and communicate good ideas. But if we hang on to it and think it's, it's something, oh, great, this is a way that I can become famous, <laughs> then we've, that's the first big mistake.
2: Right, lost sight of the <laughs> you know the tool that starts to become the master and they don't know how to do that very well, so it goes <laughs> poorly. <laughs> it goes poorly when you put the but tools we become, in charge. We
1: become, we become slaves to our desires. Rather oh. than uh, the ego, you know, that, and that. that's that's the whole thing we're supposed to be learning to go beyond. Right, right. The,
2: You know, I go to work all week and I hate my job. Well, why do you work all week? Well, because, you know, I have a car payment and a house payment. And, you know, okay, well, why do you have a car so I can drive from my house to work? And Okay, yeah. why do you have the big house in the suburbs instead of a place next door to where you work? Well, because, I don't know. And, it, you know, because in there somewhere, there's usually a, I don't know, it's what you do. And that's what I want people to give up is the, it's what you do. There's this <sighs> what you do is questioned. Why? It's, it, that's the only it's what you do. I want to hear from people. Now, I we do have a, a, a clip and it was um, labeled track three. So I think it's dinosaur <laughs> tune.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now
2: that's there has to be a story somewhere to something named Dinosaur Tune. Where did that title come from?
1: Sure. This is a piece of music that I produced. Uh, well, my, my friend, uh, a Norwegian friend of mine, is a brilliant musician, uh, produced it. He actually wrote the tune. I'm singing on it, and we, we do a lot of music together. Um, and he wrote it after he watched a movie about a dinosaur that died and he felt sad, so he wrote this tune, and it's this beautiful tune that everybody loves, and we use it for chanting. So we're chanting the spiritual mantra to that tune, and the mantra is Bhavanam Kevalam, and it means that love is all there is. Oh.
2: Now there's a fitting That's message. Awesome. Just talking about attachment and stuff. Uh, love is all there is. So this is, will be dinosaur tune, and uh we'll be back in just a moment folks stay with us mm-hmm. Rick? Oh, just talking away. <clears throat> There's two mute buttons over here. Apparently, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, it was beautiful. I I said in a in a rather quiet voice that uh, it's you know after musical guests like this that I don't relish my job of being the first to speak after uh, the break. But uh, apparently that subconsciously translated into I forgot to unmute. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes silence is the best answer, right?
1: Well, well, actually that's 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 perfect because after that that music is designed to lead you into meditation. So that's supposed to be followed with 20 minutes of silence anyway. Ah. See, Rick?
2: You knew.
0: Well, George knew.
2: George knew. <clears throat> That's what I said, it's subconsciously, something I thought I was talking well, I was talking, I just wasn't talking to anyone. I think Dada could hear me, but I can hear What well, yeah. not no, well, I was muted on for everybody but uh but it does there's a, a couple of times that you know we have several songs that make that put you in a in a wonderful place, but songs like that it does it it, it leaves me wanting to just go okay, welcome back, everybody, just you know, because I don't want to break, it's yummy. So it your music, it does engender the emotion that you were attempting to find, I believe, sir.
1: Yeah, I get a lot of feedback like that, and, and I use it, I mean, it's uh, one of the most useful things I ever did for, for my work was spend all those years studying music because... It's a great way to make meditation practice easier for people. You know, a lot of people think they should meditate or feel like it would be good for them to meditate or they tell me they believe in meditation, but most of those people don't actually do it. And they come up with, you know, people make all kind of excuses. We all make excuses why, you know, we know we should exercise, we know we should eat right, you know, we make excuses for the, to avoid doing the things that we know are good for us but require a bit of effort so music that makes meditation enjoyable is a huge uh, uh it's a really useful tool for me as a teacher because then i can tell people you know it's not that hard just listen to this and you'll you'll find it easy and you know they do i get uh Lots and lots of people just love going into meditation after this kind of music.
2: Well, and it it wasn't music like this, but sound and chanting and certain tones and notes and um, things have been used as meditative tools uh, for uh, as long as I think anybody can remember in written history around here.
1: Exactly, yeah. You know, and there's there's the I want to say something about the the effect of mantras and chanting in relation to meditation. Uh, you know, you've probably had other people speaking about mantras, and I, I guess you know what a mantra is. But just to make sure everybody knows is on the same page. So, mantra is a Sanskrit word, and it really means a sound or a phrase that helps to free the mind of ignorance and darkness. So it's a a word or phrase that's used and repeated either silently in meditation or as a part of a chant to induce a state of meditation. And mantras are usually in the Sanskrit or sometimes Pali language, which was the language that Buddha spoke, which is related to Sanskrit. And uh, the Sanskrit language is actually related to the chakras. So we have these seven kind of energy centers along our spine, and each of those is related to different feelings and emotions. They're called vrittis in Sanskrit. And uh, there are, you can say, 50 kind of main basic emotions or desires that we experience as human beings that are kind of hardwired into us. And those are represented on the chakras as petals. So you might see an image in a yoga studio or something of a human form and these seven chakras, and each of them has a flower at that point. And each has a certain number of petals. The total number of petals is 50, and those each represent the different kind of feelings we have, like like love and 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 jealousy, and positive and negative, you know, um, um, fear and anger, and uh, the, the 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 capacity to communicate through through sound, and all of these different feelings. So each of those flower petals is also represented by a sound, and those 50 sounds make up the Sanskrit alphabet. Which is used for mantras, and that's why they resonate in our chakra system and induce that kind of meditated state. It's it's very deliberate.
0: Okay, and, now I got to comment on that because oh, I just posted something to Rick. Rick's like, oh, I know where she's going with this. Um, I just <laughs> posted something to Rick's wall today. That scientists have discovered that that junk, 90% DNA that we don't use, actually can be transformed, altered, changed, and and for you know, for the better or certainly for the worse. Um, with with certain sounds and resonance and vibration. So and frequencies. what you just said is in total alignment and frequencies. Would, so what you just said is in total alignment with, and actually in this article they reference the fact that for thousands of years sound has been used as a healing tool, as a communication tool, as a a a, a tool to create community um, within certain tribal settings. So yeah, I
1: mean that it makes so much sense. Well, I'd love to have a copy of that article. Can you send me the link for that, please, later?
0: I can absolutely. absolutely do that. I was just looking it up so I can put it in the the blog talk as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, from
2: uh, our friends at Collective Evolution over there. Uh, okay. We've had them on the show, and um, uh, but I've seen the the science behind it, and and it is quite, um, and and it's done by some folks that want aware of the fact that the reason that that portion of DNA is called junk DNA is simply because we don't know what it does right it's not you know it it, it it science has a tendency to do that it w- they can 't explain it, so it 's junk we don't it doesn 't do anything and oh, it's when like they, used to they do, have no earthly idea
1: it's like they used to do on the maps, you know all the unknown areas they're just like, well, here be dragons
2: right yeah <laughs> it's like i've determined i've i've had some challenges with the nerves in my body with internal communication and it, I've made my most progress here of late where we've worked at it from a standpoint of communication instead of you have a nerve damage problem. But nonetheless, I, I have this great neurologist. Mostly all he's ever said to me is You're, it's a self-correcting system as long as you don't monkey with it. And um, it's one reason I've stuck with him. And But he told me when we first started all this, he said, three years max, you'll be fine. And the three years came and went. And 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 I mentioned it finally, like six months later, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I, I I think three years max, probably another year, but three years max." <laughs> so I've determined that his code words for I have no earthly idea is three years max. Huh? That's his. That's you got to translate that part of his lingo, but uh, because science does that, they they. They either we don't know what that. that oh well, it's junk. Or that particularly quantum physicists don't ever want to talk about the experiments that basically prove that stuff happens because we looked for it.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: And 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 that really there's maybe nothing here. Certainly nothing they can prove. And and they don't like talk about that.
1: But one thing I don't understand: How come your neurologist, who's obviously an educated guy, And you know, would have a good memory. How come he thinks your name is Max? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was terrible. Yes, no, no, that was
2: good. Oh no, it was
3: good.
2: (laughs) It was awesome. And uh, because, yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit silly, but he he has been great, uh, comfort and assistance along the way, and has made it clear. He's like, look, I don't, we don't, nobody knows. So you're going to eat right, and you're not going to do those damaging things like drinking alcohol, and you're going to get better because that's what bodies do if we don't monkey with them. And uh, I'm going to prove him right one way or another. Very I'm good. certainly, I'm certainly so much better than I once was, and I've made more progress in the last month than I made in the last two years. So,
1: wow. yeah, off we that. go. Yeah. Very
2: good. But it has. So Looking I have, at that as communication and the chakra system has been of a, a tremendous benefit That's mm-hmm. where we got there.
0: I have a question before we we go to links and stuff, and we're gonna have to get you back on because you just there's so much to talk to you about. um but one of one of my things that I stumbled upon in the writing of my books and and um my journey as an artist is um i I have a a elder gentleman in my life who I would call my sensei. Uh, If I called him Mm -hmm. anything else, um, you know, he's even sensei. He'd probably beat me for that. He just doesn't do titles well. But he's who I go to. You know, he's he's my shaman elder that I (laughs) approach in times of need. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, or I have not yet. I'm not going to say I can't because I haven't really tried that hard. But I I have not yet... um, follow the, the traditional meditation paths, but I was talking to him one day uh, about the process of meditation and what it does, and he said, well, you, you, and I said, I don't meditate, and he looked at me like I had 10 heads, and I said, but I don't, and he said, yes, you do, I said, well, no, I don't, and he said, you've written three books, you paint all the time, you're constantly creating new things. What do you think that state is, that state of creation? And I said, well, I never thought. And he said, well, what are you doing when you write? And I said, well, I'm kind of connecting to my higher self and just allowing the stuff to flow into the books. I don't really think about what I'm writing. I just write. And he goes, well, there you go. You meditate. So being a musician and a meditation master Can you talk a little bit about, I know we're running out of time, but a little bit about the connection between artistic expression and creation, like the writing of a song or the playing of music, and the act of meditation and that connection that we acquire through the act of
1: meditation? Uh, Right. Well, kind of don't get me started because this is my pet topic. Um, I do workshops on meditation and creativity and on the traps that... Creative people need to avoid and how to avoid them because you know a lot of people, creative people end up suffering, uh, you know, emotional problems and so forth. Um, So, the relationship between meditation and creativity is is very intimate. You're right, you're accessing a higher state of mind in both processes. Uh, My experience is that uh, when I meditate a lot. I get a lot more creative ideas. When I started meditating, I was still playing piano very seriously, and it it was it became overwhelming. I remember sitting down to play, to practice some Beethoven piece, and I played it and I just became so overwhelmed with this kind of joy and ecstasy that I couldn't play anymore. I had to go outside and kind of run down the street because I was it was it was very powerful. And so meditation gave me access to a whole new experience of music a whole new way of experiencing music that I was what I was playing it also gave me a flood of ideas for writing poetry i also write books and so forth which we haven't even talked about today so um no we uh, got to get you back <laughs> okay well i'm writing a science fiction novel uh and a science, it's a science fiction comedy as you might perhaps expect and um when that comes out next year i would i 'll be telling everybody about it, so that might be a good time but uh and, you know certainly meditation uh, in my experience and for many others um, is a great way to get an e- get easier access to it to the muse, which I think is you know really just a way of talking about this some sort of higher level of, of, of consciousness or a layer of the mind where we access this sort of intuition. And uh, but what I would say about meditation in relation to that is that spiritual meditation can take you to a level beyond that. And I think it's important for artists and creative people to use that kind of spiritual discipline and, and develop all of the layers of the mind that actually go beyond creative intuition in order to remain to, to, to cultivate your full potential, if you like. So yeah, that's that. In essence, that's what I've sort of. My experience has been that certainly being in that creative flow is a, a, can be a spiritual practice, but pure meditation focusing on cosmic consciousness can take you beyond that also.
0: So
1: yeah, now, that, the, the, oh, sorry, please, the,
2: if there's more, the bring more. We have, we, yeah, we have plenty we of got, time. We have plenty of time.
0: No, well. I'm, it actually leads into this is where, so if somebody's wanting to learn about these practices and hmm. go through the process,
1: where do you go? huh. Well, then, of course, uh, this is time for me to tell, uh, boast about all these things I do. Um, let me see. <laughs> oh, I have this website which is called themonkdude.com so people can remember it. Uh, and if you go there, you'll find me saying hello and inviting you to sign up to my newsletter and go to my mailing list. And you'll get a, a series of three videos um, that will give you a little quick start into meditation practice. And you can start straight away. They, um, they come to you over, the, over a few days. And then there's a lot of other stuff there. You, there's, I've got my music over there online and, and my book. and my, I've got a, a meditation home study course so if people are a bit more, you know, serious about developing a meditation practice, it's an eight-week uh, pack- package course that you can really learn meditation at home. And there are recordings and guided meditations, there's a whole workbook, there's my book, it's called Close Your Eyes and Open Your Mind. Um, and uh, that's some of the stuff there. And then I've got a blog where I write a lot of silly stories, which I think are pretty funny, I hope other people do. And and also some more serious articles about a lot of things, just stuff that comes in my, my mind.
2: Now, that sounds like I was working on putting a blog together to just be someplace I can have an outlet to my meanderings like that. And I was calling it the strange wanderings of a seeker. <clears throat> but this, it's just strange wanderings. I don't know what I'm doing, making it up as I go along. So it's real simple, the monkdude dot It's just exactly like it sounds, M O N K monkdude uh dot com like he is really a monk. It's we're not we didn't make it up. Um and uh and it has been uh an absolute pleasure having you with us. Um uh, it, it's yet another one of those conversations we hate to cut short, so we have to we have to promise that we will do it again cuz uh so much to so much to cover and so much for uh so much do a whole show on music do a whole show on meditation easily we do series you have your to eight parts.
1: On, i'd love to do something on focus on creativity and the different levels of the mind cuz that's something that i think uh not a lot of people understand very well and um it can really help uh you know I I, I don't want to just limit it to people who consider themselves creative. It can help everybody because everybody's creative in some way, and it can help to balance um, the the different parts of our our emotions and personality. So I'd love to, uh, yeah, explore lots of things to explore for sure.
2: That would be wonderful because
1: that's really science
0: fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that because we do still have like a, a few minutes, so I want to ask about the books, book that you've All written right, and you're you, working on I'll a science a, fiction. What is a Monk writing a science fiction? What is that?
1: Um, <laughs> I sometimes wondered that myself. Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> one of those things that that I I couldn't help it. You know, it's it, 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 again it goes so much of this goes back to my, the things I wanted to do as a kid. I read lots of. You know, fantasy stories and about dragons. I was obsessed with dragons, and then science fiction and all that. And I always wanted to write a science fiction or fantasy book. And I finally got around to it. Started it about ten years ago, and I'm nearly finished. And it's uh, it's pretty funny, and it's uh, it's more fantasy than science fiction. It's about an alien who comes to Earth. On his home planet, he's a student. In a school for saints, messiahs, and world saviors, so he <laughs> is sent out, He's sent to Earth as an emissary in the 14th century with a special mission to save our planet. Mm. And uh, he—it's—he's it's, a bit of a fish out of water really? because he—he's basically an octopus. Uh, you know, he's—he's he's a cephalopod. So he has to wear a special human suit so that people don't get, a, you know, they're not afraid of him, but it doesn't work very well. And he, <laughs> anyway, he's a lot of, and he meets a dragon, and he goes to Atlantis. Has to find something in Atlantis, and he's a lot. Of, it's, it's a lot of fun. it oh, <gasps> sounds so sounds
0: awesome! Fantastic. I can't wait to read it. But I am what a I want huge, to huge, yeah. huge. Sci-fi fantasy fan, huge sci-fi fantasy fan. I know I don't share that often with our listeners, but I'm actually working now on rebuilding because I used to have the entire Dragonlance series. Yes, that's right, all some 70 books um, (laughs) that they've published. (laughs) And I'm working on now going to um, old bookstores and trying to rebuild my collection because I had to give them up at one point and I'd like to read them all again. So I'm working oh, on yeah. it cuz I J.R. Tolkien is my hero. Honestly. Oh like, god, yeah. As an author,
1: that's the pinnacle of my Yeah.
3: Well, I, I actually do, I, <laughs> do
1: I, I I do a workshop on the inner meaning of Lord of the Rings. And uh that's a that's a lot of fun right. wow. too. How could you miss <laughs> it? Right. There's that's another the show.
0: Thing that I get with How do Yeah, right? Like how could you miss the the subtle, I mean, even, and then um, J.K. Rowling comes along and makes several references in her um, in her Harry Potter books to the Lord of the Rings and to the same teachings that were taught in the Lord of the Rings, and I'm just like, and you missed it the second time, how can you people miss this, because it seems very <laughs> obvious, but I'd love to be part of, I'd love to see that workshop, it must be freaking fascinating, excuse me, uh, that it, makes it, me excited, you're doing fun. a workshop. My bad. Awesome.
1: I should actually That's that'd be really an idea. Me. I think what I, I might actually do an online version of that workshop. I'd never thought of that. Oh, please do Oh it could oh, be a game oh, changer on be so be many fitting,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so many people are are into the story and so many young kids, younger folks are into the story and, and sometimes I'm not sure they you know, it it's he's a great storyteller. It's easy oh, to well, be into the, the story whether you're into the story or not, and uh, when they find out that there's like more behind it, they go, "Ooh, that died. Well, there are
1: layers. There are layers of meaning in it." And um, you know, my own book, of course, I wanted to write a book like Tolkien, but forget about that. I mean, he was the professor of English languages at Oxford University. The guy's a genius, so I don't want to compete with Tolkien. But what I've tried to do in my book is, um, it's, it's what I'm aiming for is. If you took Lord of the Rings, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you know that. Um, the oh, Bhagavad Gita,
3: yeah. The Bhagavad
1: Gita and, and Alice Through the Looking Glass, and you roll, put them in a blender. That's my book.
0: That's awesome. At
1: least that's what I hope it Thought, will, I, can't,
0: <laughs> I can't wait to read it, and you've got me hooked already. And it's not even finished yet, so I can't wait to read it and get you back on the show and like talk about it. Because
2: <laughs> what a backstory! Uh, like taken all of her and my, or a large majority of our faves and thrown them in a the blender. That's awesome, <laughs> absolutely awesome.
1: Well, I hope I do. I hope I do them justice. It's a kind of hopeless endeavor, but I'll do my best. And ah. um, it's it's coming. It's looking good, and I've got a good editor, so. <clears throat> uh, you, know, you, you followed John Denver Some people wouldn't want to do that
2: You seem to have done okay
1: <laughs> Yeah well how to follow God
3: <laughs>
2: Yes well you know Tis indeed uh, I just have to thank you again For sharing your time and talent and treasure With us this evening uh, It's been Fantastic and uh, And just a lot of fun which which is our main goal with the show. If we can't have fun, we'll give the whole thing up. Uh, we have a show in the middle of the day tomorrow, yes? Jean?
0: Uh, we do. I was just actually on my way to the calendar. 11. Working on it. Sorry, I usually have that uploaded and ready 11. to go. 11. But one. I got all excited about...
3: One, I, well, one I the got all excited
0: about the concept of a, a monk, you know... Um, Doing sci-fi. Writing sci-fi. That excites me. Um, yes. One Easter, you're gonna, you're insisting that I talk about the the calendar. Eh? It's not up yet. Okay, yes, I, one in no, the afternoon. Well,
2: I can <laughs> talk about it.
0: <laughs> okay, I we have it up. I have it up. It's in front of me. So one in the afternoon, we have Dv D, Marie, and um, oh yes, she, y'all are gonna love this one because we have the monk dude who writes. Sci- and following the monk dude, we have a ganja yoga instructor.
2: That's right. Yes, that's right, folks. If you you search for our show tomorrow on Blog Talk and you have trouble finding it, check if your mature filter is on or not because um, (laughs) she also teaches naked yoga. And and we've said, we tell all of our guests nothing's off limits. And we mean that because if you put them in a box, then what's the point? And um, so we're going to see what that's all about tomorrow. One o'clock in the afternoon. And then Thursday, oddly enough, um, there was a holder, a placeholder on the calendar, and the placeholding didn't happen. And so it's now listed as the odd night off, because apparently we take the odd night off. I'm moving, actually, to the <laughs> Pegasus, Pegasus house, and had made arrangements so that there would be, you know, I still have accommodations here and there, so that I could be on the Internet wherever it worked, But uh, since it worked out that way, I'll get Molly settled in the new place. And she's she's still just a little unsure about the whole Costa Rica thing. Um, She has discovered that they have praying mantises here that are bigger than her head, and she's not sure she likes that. Um, She had enough trouble with the little ones. But she'll probably be okay. And then next week, speaking of Lou Emanuel she will be with us again on tuesday.
0: Yes, Liz is coming back. And then um and then Amelia, and then on thursday we have Sue, labor old friend of mine. Um one of those just ordinary everyday people who is changing the world simply by going out and doing stuff for her community and having a huge impact on and I know this you know, from way back when she was the mother of one of the young men that I dated um back in high school, I'm not sure if she's fully aware of the positive impact that she's had on all the people that she's touched um but by the end of Thursday's show, I'm gonna make sure she knows, so I'm bringing her on as a guest because she is one of those spiritual warriors who's out there just doing and she doesn't you wouldn't no books no she just goes out and plays free gigs for people to raise money for local charities. That's what she does. And, and talks good wisdom in her garage at the back of her flower shop and plays music with local teens and just talks a good talk and puts tidbits of, of insight into their brains and their hearts. So,
2: and we need, we need every last one of those because uh, I've said Holy many times, gosh. you know, this whole treasure. definition, what is a, what is a light worker anyway? And uh, the fact of the matter is that some of the most uh, dedicated uh, and impactful, quote unquote, light workers in the world would not ever use that term to describe themselves. Um, they wouldn't necessarily even know what it means. And, uh, you know, I, I stole this from somebody, but uh, it was worth stealing. Uh, this, what is a light worker anyway? Well, in the broadest sense, it's just anyone on Earth who's truly committed in his or her heart to helping others awaken to love. Love makes life lighter. We shed light on dark situations with love. Just love. That's light worker. So it's often identified with this, that, and the other thing. These people don't necessarily even have heard the term, but they bees it.
0: Oh, they bees it. Every day connected, they are.
2: Every day connected, day. they are, indeed. All right, mm-hmm. so just lots of good stuff coming up, as it, as it always is. we just thrilled to be here, part of the ride. So join us tomorrow afternoon if at 1 p.m., uh, and until then.
0: To our mother, to each other, and most importantly, and especially to yourselves, stay connected.
2: Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me, and please like our Facebook page at facebook.com/forward/slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your everyday connection. wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contracts ever. And keep the phone a number you love.
0: Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible.
1: Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.